It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Terrible discussion, so this will have to be turned out. But <laughs> yeah, start this again. <laughs> All right, here we go. So... <laughs> that can be our lead-in. All right, here we go. Today is the letter J. You always give such a nice pause there. I really appreciate you. Really build up the build up the weight. I'm Ed. I'm Peter. And this is the letter J. I have the magic cup in my hand, and I'm giving it a shake. Peter, when you want a word, say when. Oh wow, really? Okay, yeah, really got, really got that one. The word is stuck on another word. Hang on. Oh. The word is ibuprofen, but that means that I threw an i in from last episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't keep a clean cup. There was a, there was a straggler in there. All right, take number 2. Here we go. And the letter is J and the word is Peter. Well, I don't know. Now, all right, now, okay. Jello, Jello. There's a funny one because we both we both I put in jelly because I call it jelly, and you put in Jello because you call it Jello. But we both put in the same word this week. Because when I, when you said you, you might put in jelly, I thought the you know the, the sort of counterpart the jam. No, to... see, Australians call Jello jelly. Okay. And well, we never call the, jam jelly. What's the commercial? What's the commercial brand there? Uh, aeroplane jelly. I like aeroplane. I don't know if I'm allowed to sing that jingle. I like aeroplane jelly. Aeroplane jelly for me. Which aeroplane? Aeroplane jelly. Yeah, A E R O P L A N E. I just so spelled aeroplane. Like really is there a picture of a plane in the logo? Not not only that, but each color, each uh, flavor has its own corresponding character. So obviously, red is the main character. I don't remember his name. But then, you know, like yellow is a different plane and green is a different plane and they have their own corresponding. And they used to have little cartoons for them in the, in the, in the adverts. It was beautiful. There's, there's no wonder you don't call it jello. Like the aeroplane clearly has way better marketing. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, of course, because jello is a brand name, right? It's not a, it's not a, yeah. it's not an object name. But then we would yeah. never call, we would never call jelly, like the spread jelly. Nobody ever uses the term jelly, like a thing that you put on a side. I think... I think that's marmalade, but maybe that's a different thing. No, I think, I mean, even in French, it's marmalade. You know what I mean? Like, like grape jelly is, is grape marmalade if you translate it directly in French. So, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Um, and, and I'm really interested in this sort of taxonomy of, of these kinds of words, right? I mean, there's the, there's the classic, you know, joke opening, what's the difference between jam and jelly? Yeah. And we don't need to finish the joke. Um, but the there's, a, there's a clean version. There's a clean version. You can say I okay. can't. I didn't jelly my hand in the car door. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah, there's yeah. a clean version. Doesn't have to be the That's dirty great. one. All right, cool. Um, but you know, realistically, the difference is: does it have seeds or not? Um, no yeah. way. Is that actually the difference? Pretty much, right? Like jam as a thing. Like if you make strawberry jam, it's got seeds. If you make strawberry jelly, you've strained the seeds out. That's the whole difference between the two. I really thought it was something different. One, that. That's one difference. The other sort of fundamental difference is that jam traditionally is set just with fruit and sugar. Jelly usually contains a component that produces pectin. So either apples or grapes, which tend to be like super high in pectin. And that's actually what jellies a thing, you know, gives it that very specific texture. I'm not going to pretend yet. I don't know what pectin is. Fill me in on pectin. 
so so pectin is a, a thing that naturally occurs in some fruits uh specifically largely in the skins so like apple skins are an awesome source of pectin and if you wanted to make jelly for yourself at home if you boiled a whole bunch of apple skins in water for a little while that solution would contain a ton of pectin so if you were to add sugar and a fruit to that it would set and have you know a, a jelly like texture what does pectin do for the body what do we want pectin for uh i have no idea what it does for us right. you know beneficially but it produces a nice texture in foods that we like to eat now conversely uh airplane jelly yeah or, or jelly. what we'd call what we'd call jello here uh is traditionally made with animal bones and i think that it probably still is yeah uh so finding out what jelly was was a nightmare for me because i was such <laughs> a big fan of jelly i really love jelly but then when i found out that it was you know boiled bones and you know gelatin sourced from horse kneecaps i was really distressed by that yeah i think that probably freaks a lot of people out um you know if you want a vegan alternative uh you can set things with sometimes uh i guess it's agar agar so that's derived from seaweed um and so if you're buying you know prefab jellied products you know little like mango jellies or whatever lychee jellies in like asian supermarkets or whatever that's usually vegan friendly because it's done with with seaweed instead of animal bones but jello is is a good source of animal bones this is one that of those ones where i look at it's actually I... really good for your body you actually do need that stuff no i'm not eating that not it's not happening that's one of those you ones where i look at that you need all that kind of stuff it's good for you i look at that and i think who was the person who figured that out who was the person who looked at a horse or looked at a cow and was like i've used all these pieces what if i take the bones boil them figure out what floats to the top ferment that whatever the term is set it hard add some sugar to it add some cut hang on i'm really on to something like what okay, so that's, what sort that's of actually okay so that's not actually how it works right so uh imagine that you are you know a chef i let's let's assume because we're going to be you know western centric for a second if i'm if i'm imagining i'm a chef this is a terrible restaurant but go on okay so so we're in france <laughs> and it's you know i don't know a couple hundred years ago and we've got a whole bunch of vats of stock boiling on the stove you know maybe beef maybe chicken who knows and anybody who's made their own soup stock at home knows that if you put it in the fridge uh and you've boiled it for a long time it's going to sort of set into into a jelly um and that's something that you want that's something that's really beneficial if you're making a savory dish you want that that collagen that comes from the bones to uh to turn into something that's going to give you a nice smooth texture for a sauce or a gravy or whatever how does that become a so, candy though how does that become a dessert so what that what came after that was the idea of making aspics right so aspics <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, are basically a savory jelly mold right because people at that point have figured out okay if we take just the bones and we sort of purify the whole thing then we can create this perfectly clear jelly um but the association with meat was still largely there so you'd make these savory jelly molds that had like chunks of meat and like vegetables and stuff like that and and people made them like day. decoratively as well they were like they'd put the they put the meat in like circles and patterns and things inside to make them look like fancy aspects yeah they were super pretty and so it was like a it was a sign of great wealth to be able to to produce these things and <clears throat> much of this 
came back. I mean, you can look at, you know, pictures of dinner parties in the States in like the sixties and seventies and people started doing this shit all over again. Um, and part of that is a pattern that we see in food history over and over again. It's kind of the democratization of food. So it starts off as this super fancy haute cuisine exclusive thing. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, fuck that. I can do this for myself at home. And suddenly we're, taking canned peas and like canned Vienna sausages and adding a can of, you know, condensed soup and a couple of packages of lemon jello and reproducing these fanciful things from, you know, hundreds of years in the past. When did the dessert Which, version yeah. start popping up? You seem, you, you seem to know quite a bit of the history of Taylor. When did the dessert version start popping up? When did it become a, a you know, a so kid's the food? The dessert version happened uh, sort of a, when a lot of, you know, canned and commercialized food products started to come out sort of as a result of the second world war there was a lot of rationing going on um we have sort of talked a little bit about the health benefits of eating gelatin um so it's a cheap way of providing some nutrition and also i mean there are psychological benefits to having dessert or i guess pudding as you would call it regardless of what it is and um and and so you you know you had some sugar some some cheap byproduct of the fact that you're eating meat anyway and add some artificial you know food coloring and and bob's your uncle suddenly you've got a bunch of happy kids eating yeah eating after dinner and then they start putting them into you know starfish shapes and they give you plastic molds to make them in and they give you like really kid-centric things like the happy meal of food after well <laughs> happy meal of food a happy meal is technically food but they really well, started they... to make it they started to make it really toyetic it became it became like a really marketable thing to kids because they were like, you know, form your jelly into whatever shape you want. Make a Donald Duck jelly. It was a really clever development. Totally. Um, and and it's still something that fascinates people. Um, people like that flavor. It's fun, right? Uh, you can suspend anything in a jelly mold. You can make jelly taste like anything you want it to taste like. Um, on that note, there's a, a British company called Bompas and Par, right? So I don't know if they're still a going concern. But they basically built their name on making fancy jello molds. So they made yeah, you know, those those copper ones, those copper jelly molds that that people hang on their walls, right? Those are yeah, those are sort of like collectors' items, and those are you know the more traditional type that you make savory dishes out of. What these wacko guys did was you know all sorts of really fun, fruity, exciting flavors. Usually, sort of booze heavy too, uh, but they were doing like they were doing Jello molds for the Queen and Jello molds for you know fashion shows and all sorts of stuff. Um, they're they're fun to look up if you want to fall down. The rabbit hole you just you just re I didn't even think of it, but you just introduced the whole alcohol element into it. The Jello shots, the Jello shooters. That just that became a whole thing. That's a huge thing. I mean, where where I grew up, Jello shots were sort of endemic to how you get married. <laughs> how you get married. Absolutely. Well, hang on, like they're, like they're a big part of the wedding, or it's like you know you take enough Jello shots and you wake up married next to someone. Well, no, no, it's sort of it's sort of more the former than the latter, right? So, uh, we grew up having what we called stag and doves. So yeah, it's sure. a giant party before the wedding. You invite the entire community, um, and you typically have you know games to play <clears> and, and raffles and, and dumb shit like that. And then drink tickets and so people will get together and and make cello shots and so like as kids it was a really easy way to get you know sort of served under age cough cough because you know oh it's my uncle or whatever and you go to the and it's jelly it's a dessert and then you just do trays of jello shots and you get wasted 
Now, those who've listened to us before know that you are a massive proponent of Jägermeister. I often think that maybe you work for Jägermeister and you're slipping in some subtle, some subtle hints for them. <laughs> have, have, mean, have you, they should hire me. They ha- just haven't. Have you successfully yet. jellied Jägermeister in your life, in your, in your time? I, th- I think, I mean, I know that I could. Um, I don't think that I want to. Um, one of the things I like about Jägermeister is that it doesn't really go with anything else. <laughs> It's because it tastes disgusting. That's why it doesn't go with anything else. No, it's just perfect on its own. It's perfectly awful. <laughs> Think what you like. Uh, you go back to your airplane. What's your favorite flavor of airplane? Uh, well, see, again, again, see, I stopped eating meat really young. I stopped eating meat when I was about six years old. And I kept eating jelly because I didn't know what it was. But when I was about uh, 10-ish and I realized what jelly was or I learned what jelly was or somebody told me this horrifying secret, this truly truly nightmarish revelation <laughs> that candies and jellies are made from boiled bone fat crap and i just couldn't it's understand it. i don't care it's still awful to me it's still <laughs> um collagen whatever you want to call it pectin i don't know i really can't remember what the pectin was no, pectins are fruit, all right all right pectin I'll eat, i will eat but yeah when i realized that you know those sort of like haribo candies and jelly and all that sort of stuff all came from that i was petrified and horrified and i never ate them again um my go-to candy flavor is always the red you know, the red is always the best. No matter what candy you're eating, red is always the best flavor. I feel like I've really been conditioned to the color on that. Like, even if I don't know what flavor it's going to be, you know, you just assume it's going to be raspberry or strawberry or something, you, even if I have no idea. The, you know that the most common food coloring agent that produces that that red is? Do you know you know what that's made of? Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible for me to learn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, go on. Tell me. You're sitting down. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you're sitting down. It's made from, from crushed beetle shells. Oh, I did know that one. I did hear that yeah. one before. That doesn't so bother me so much. Beetle, beetles bother beetles don't bother me nearly as much. The funniest one that I ever heard was, um, and I'm going to get the science of this completely wrong, but bear with me as I do it. Um, and again, I'm going to say this right immediately. I'm going to get the science of this wrong. But when a uh, mammal, a male mammal ejaculates... There is a little pouch, a little bag, whatever you want to call it, of uh, sucrose that gives the sperm their first energy. They get sort of injected with this energy. Everybody has, every mammal has this thing. So they're going through like a Gatorade bath on the way out. Exactly. They get, I guess, I guess they just get saturated. Somebody who understands science, an actual doctor, can fill us in on this. But, you know, you get this little burst of sucrose when the sperm come out. And they started to realize that, you know, animals that ate very specific fruits... They, like they would only eat this kind of fruit well the sucrose that would be contained would be a really concentrated version of that and so they would take these pouches and they would use them as flavoring these ball sack pouches and apparently who was doing this when? It's, a, it's a real thing it's a really common thing apparently, when? Uh, like, is this a recent thing? no or? no it's a past thing it's an 1800s thing but apparently the, the most common candy flavoring or one of the most common ca- candy flavoring came from beavers and they would take the, the little pouch from beavers and they used it for candy flavoring. And it... Okay, so, okay, 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 okay. Okay, let's rewind for a second. Yeah. The, 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 the thing about the sucrose pouch I've never heard anything about, and, and that's fascinating to me, and I, and I hope that that's true in yeah. a weird way. Um, the beaver thing is true, but has nothing to do with the first half of what you said. Okay, go um, on. So, so plenty of, plenty of, animals most of us i mean even humans right we we secrete things everyone secretes things from all sorts of weird places beavers secrete from near their anal gland something called castoreum 
Castorium. That's the word. That's the word. Castorium is used uh, both by beavers for all sorts of reasons. They communicate by basically spreading this smell on trees. So they indicate when they want to breed, they mark territory, they do all sorts of stuff. The same way like your cats pee on things, right? But but beavers do it with this gland that's in their bum. And uh, so they're secreting castorium. Castorium. I'm sorry, I just want to break for a second. The people who are listening to this cannot see how much I'm smiling at the moment, but this is just fantastic. <laughs> this is just fantastic to me. Keep going. Castorium basically smells and tastes like humans, or not like, like humans, humans. <laughs> but humans. <laughs> like <laughs> um, And so it, it was a cheaper way of producing the flavor of vanilla in mass quantities. So uh, for a long time before we developed other means of artificially producing fake vanilla flavor. Uh, wait, doesn't used... vanilla come from the vanilla orchid? It does, but but beaver bum gland stuff smells <laughs> like vanilla. Oh man. Well I'm glad I'm glad that you were able to immediately correct my horrifyingly off biology on that. Obviously I was way I mean, that, that, the first part of that story was just I was wrapped. I, I just had I no swear that's a thing. And I'm really I'm really regretting that I'm only reciting that off secondhand knowledge. I wish I had the chance to research that beforehand. And that, that you know, obviously my biology PhD did not come in very handy just now. But <laughs> but Peter was able to uh, clear it up for us that it is the beaver bum secretion that I was going for. That's what I was thinking. Well, it's, about. Sort of, it's sort of near their bum, but yeah. Um, but I, there, you know, we do that with all sorts of things, like like baleen. You know about baleen? No, what is baleen? So baleen is basically uh, an excretion that whales vomit <laughs> into the sea. Yeah. What well, isn't that called? Um, ambergris. Isn't that it ambergris? Comes up in these huge chunks. Yeah, baleen becomes ambergris. Uh. That's right. Yeah. Or wait, no, the baleen is the whale, and they produce the ambergris. That's yeah, right. and ambergris is used and to make perfumes. It's a fixative in perfumes. Yeah. Or was used as a fixative in perfumes. So wait, I mean, whale if, you find a chunk, if you find a chunk of whale vomit on the beach, you will be very, very wealthy. Yeah, it's really valuable. I have heard that part. It's amazingly valuable. It's funny the, the things that we take from animals that are in theory disgusting, but then we... Like, even the pearl. Even the pearl is quite a disgusting thing. But we, we well, prize it's, it. It's weird because, I mean, it's an irritant. Right? I mean, the yeah. reason that a pearl is created is because the oyster is irritated by a chunk of sand that's got inside them, and they don't want it to be there. So and it builds up layers and layers. These, these layers to, to encase the chunk of sand. So it's their version of coughing up phlegm, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of sad. I mean, this oyster spent, spent all of its days trying to get this fucking piece of sand out of them, and you're all stoked. Be before <laughs> we sign off, just because I'm enjoying this so much, do you have one more you know, disgustingly sourced animal thing that you would like to educate us on? Uh, no, I think I've said enough. <laughs> I mean, to me, milk is disgusting, so we, we can so we can say on that. Um, no, we'll, save, we'll save that for another episode. Peter, would you like to break down our uh, how to find us? Yeah, you can find us uh, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're sorry that Apple won't accept our logo. We haven't figured that one out yet. No. If you're having a hard time, though, uh, you can head on the web to podpage.com slash ed dash peter and uh check out any of our episodes there there's also other stuff you can do uh and uh you know you'll figure that out for yourselves i'm using this new app uh uh i don't i'm very rarely an early adopter to things took me a very long time to get facebook and a very long time to get instagram but i'm using this thing called clubhouse if you're on clubhouse find me at at ed robinson at ed robinson on clubhouse 
And Peter, would you like a break? He hasn't even given me a clubhouse invite, so uh, you know, I don't have any. You know what's funny is I sent out I sent out my one clubhouse invite and I sent it to the wrong number, and then it's just gone. That's, that's, that's what I got. Because you have to earn them. You have to earn your invites. You have to like be an active participant and stuff, which I'm I haven't been doing. It actually, it actually sounds horrible to me. I don't think I. Would. There's I a lot of pressure. There is a lot of pressure to it. I don't want to join your clubhouse. Yeah, it's sort of like being on a live a live podcast, basically, which we are now, but you know, pre-recorded. Anyway, do you want to detail some of the merch? Tell the people what they can purchase. Well, I mean, we've got we've got the usual suspects. There are hoodies. There are, there are coffee mugs. Uh, uh, totes for your groceries. Uh, I don't know if we've got it up online yet, but we are working on a onesie for infants, uh, specifically inspired uh, by our friend Miles. And uh, shout out to Miles and Shannon and your progeny. We hope that the three of you are doing well and in good spirits. Yeah. All right. Well, that that actually concludes our longest episode yet. So Jello turned out to be the the one that really that really got us going. <laughs> J-E-L-L-O. All right, I'm Ed. I'm Peter. That's all.